Right, welcome back to the Maximum Cricket Podcast. You're here with Manta. This is episode number 17, and this week we have both Lugsy and Jacko here after Lugsy's massive run, and we have a fantastic podcast for you. We are talking the big news in New Zealand cricket, and now I guess the big bash. Colin de Gronholm has retired from international cricket under a bit of a cloud of doubt, I would say. We discuss why. Speaking of New Zealand and Aussie, the Chapel Hadley series starts today and the boys are pumped. We preview and predict the series while also breaking down our top five Chapel Hadley moments. In other news, we talk about the very strange Johnny Bairstow injury in Out or Not Out and what may or may not have happened. And in Coach Corner, we talk about acceptable fielding shoes. But first, grab yourself your favourite snack, because it's time for Snack of the Week. It's a Yes Bank Maximum, the first of this contest. Oh, that is brilliant. It's a Hero Maximum. On the ground, on the ground, another Hero Maximum. Boys, big Snack of the Week last week. Massive... Um, yeah, um, didn't think I would have to have this sort of conversation this early, but um, I don't want to take away from Lugsy's triumphant I do. turn. Um, you don't want to let him have his time no, in the sun. You bought a two-course just... meal to snack of the week. <laughs> you haven't exactly bought a snack either, though. You came with some, uh, some fried rice. Munzer's probably the only one with a leg to stand on. I will admit I'm right on the precipice. Well, I think I think Lugsy, if you if you just want to take the floor and just sort of you know take your time and discuss the victory, and then maybe we'll just sort of set, set some sort of ground rules uh, for future. Yeah, well, week. obviously, thanks to the thanks to the fans for voting me in um, and getting my first one. Um, as I say, I was snacking sort of most of the day last Sunday, and then that final top off of the KFC obviously set me over the line. I yeah, I'll fully grant. I don't think you know. I think the definition in the doc, in the dictionary, if we want to go there, is a small amount of food eaten between meals. So I don't know. If, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if the KFC meal can quite um, be defined as a snack. Um, but yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, when you're putting away 24 yeah. meals a day, one of well, them. That's exactly. has got to be a snack, doesn't it? Yeah. It's quite funny on the topic of of the dish, uh, definition of a snack. We've now got the informal. A sexually attractive person. So I was thinking maybe if in the future I ever do happen to get myself a girlfriend, that's how I'll announce it to the world. It'll just be a picture of her for my for my snack of the week. We probably have to talk about that off here because that could cut off um, some of our target audience. But uh, if, if you're off the market, you know we don't want to take away uh, a big section of our um, of our audience. Yeah, I'd be surprised if that's driving the listeners currently. But <laughs> yeah. well, actually, to be honest, I didn't want to. I mean, since we're jumping on Luxy and. Uh, Jacko was pretty keen to sort of um, take his legs away. I did. I did sort of notice there were a few extra votes flying in last week, and a lot of people that weren't actually sort of part of the the, the, the maximum cricket universe, I guess you'd say. So, oh, really? I, I do wonder. I do wonder if uh, Lugsy's doing a little bit of, I guess, what what do you call campaigning mm. behind camera, just sort of getting getting his votes any way he can. Not to take anything away, but no, no, um, no, and I will dispute those claims. I've not, <laughs> I've not, I've done nothing of the sort, but I certainly am not opposed to it in future. Okay, Lexi, so you you're on top, so you might as well sort of tee off first. What are you, um, what are you running this week? Um, well, I tend to, in full disclosure, it is obviously it's hard to actually eat the uh, eat the snack during the pod, so I tend to go for a wee pre-snack, and then um, obviously when you finish the pod, you you're pretty happy with your work, so you get a post one. Um, so pre pre and this is probably uh, this, I mean I am probably pushing the limits again, but I've gone obviously your full pack of Thai chili Doritos. I have paired it though with some kiwi onion dip, which may may not be to everyone's liking. But um, as a as a patient at the hospital so eloquently told me, you know, I eat some pretty rough tucker. So I've put that together, and I have got a wee caramel bar, uh, caramel milk bar for for after the recording. I tell you what, I'm, uh, that can't be a coincidence. I feel like I've actually got, you can probably hear it a little bit now, but I've actually got the exact same uh, snack this week. I've actually got a wee, You're uh, kidding. A, a Thai sweet chilli, uh, dur- uh, big share, wow. big share uh, bag of Doritos. So, the big share might get you over the line. Yeah. Have you got dip though? I don't have dip. I actually quite like it because I feel like it's got enough flavour by itself. It does have a lot, yeah. Personally, like I feel like if you go and dip, you're going like a flavourless sort of chip, if I may, if, if I may, because because we had we had cheese supreme with our nachos 
And I think, mm. like, I wouldn't normally have cheese supreme unless it's with nachos. You know, you've got to have something with it. What I like to call a bag of Doritos is just naked nachos. <laughs> so you sort of just, <laughs> basically, you're just giving yourself an excuse to have a bag of chips. Yeah. Um, oh, call yeah. it nachos, just hold all the toppings. Similar to asking for, like, a, a virgin rum and coke in town as an excuse to have a coke. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. I guess we'll uh, we'll have to sort that one out later on. But um, maybe Jack, Jacko, if you come in with a third bag of uh, Doritos here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll, I'll actually uh, zig where you two have zagged, and I've just actually gone for the recent Milo Kit Kat collab. Um, wow. That's is, not bad. Yeah, getting but some mixed reviews. But I mean, for me, it just tastes like a Kit Kat with Milo sprinkled in it, which is, I suppose, everything you could ask for. So. Yeah, very tasty. Really enjoyed that. But we'll see if the listeners like that or um, Thai Sweet Chili Doritos. <laughs> yeah, Tom's too. <laughs> outstanding, outstanding. Okay. Right, so we, uh, we'll move on to some cricket, I suppose. And uh, as I said in the intro, probably the biggest news in the New Zealand circles is Colin de Gronholm retiring from international cricket. And before we, before we talk about, I guess, the circumstances around his retirement should we just touch on the career of Colin McGrawham as a, as a black cap because he's a bit of a polarizing character but when you look back at his career it's pretty it's pretty darn successful when you think about it he averages about 38 with the bat and about sort of 31 32 with the ball he's sort of like obviously he's not as good as Ben Stokes but statistically speaking he's probably better than Ben Stokes mm. even though if that makes sense, but you're never going to see him in that light. And I'm not going to say he's better than Ben Stokes for obvious reasons, but you just have, <laughs> yeah. But just, yeah. but um, but no, I just think I think he's a very successful black cat, particularly in the Test arena. And I think he was an important cog as New Zealand sort of went into that golden era. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's an interesting one, Colin's career, because. Yeah, as you said, the stats are there, the results are there, but you sort of watched him play and you sort of thought, like, how is this successful at test level? He sort of bowled 115 to 120 meds, sort of bopped it about a bit, didn't really look like he had much of a defensive game. But, yeah, as you said, test hundreds, test fifers, like all the all the accolades you could, could really ask for, but sort of never seemed to, yeah. I mean, you watch him play and you're like, oh, that's that'll do a job, but it won't won't produce the results it did so yeah he was very I mean my probably biggest takeaway was geez he was a foot on the throat sort of batter wasn't he I suppose coming in if a, if a platform's set and you've got Colin just coming in tang off against an old red ball it's uh sort of nightmare fuel and yeah I think he got a very very a lot of sort of very quick 70s or 80s sort of batting at seven or 300 for four or five and yeah really sort of put that foot on the throat of the opposition teams yeah, he is, as you say, quite polarising, I guess, and um, and sort of has had, a, I think probably has had a lot better career than a lot of people realise. Um, I think it feels like maybe he could have been a sort of a bigger star or something. Like he, he had that ability to become a bit of a cult figure, I feel like, and maybe just didn't quite catch on. One, the biggest thing, I obviously the, the debut when he burst on the test scene with a six star, is probably one of the, you know, Harry kicked off his career was brilliant, but he was actually very important in our in our one day World Cup. Huge. If, if Stokes did do what Stokes did in, in that final, I think Colin might have been a man of the match when he got two like two for twenty five off ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and sort of maybe it got in in people's heads or and you know the Kiwi fan that all he was was a guy that could sort of bash fifty against maybe the lesser seams. He got that brilliant 100 against the West Indies, his first Test 100. And maybe that's all, all sort of a lot of Kiwi fans saw him as, was maybe a guy that could get a quick fire 50, but maybe um, didn't quite live up to all his talent. But as you say, Muntrink, yeah, average 38 in the Test, done a handy job with the ball, and, and maybe was a bit of a better cricketer than, than a lot of people realise. Like, he got the best out of his ability. Because I, I remember when he when he came onto the scene, I, I couldn't have been more anti it. I was like, this guy is like a really good club cricketer, and he just turned into so much more. He, he I guess, it's, I'm just trying to think about why people sort of were anti him. It was sort of like just the ways he would get out. It was probably what people sort of didn't like. You know, we talk about that, the famous dismissal or the famous day 
um, probably well, it's it turned out to be his last day of Test cricket actually when he got when he got run out. Um, Quite the way to go out when he, when he got run out first ball and then uh, bowled that no ball against Stokes and then went off injured. Um, not the greatest, not the Ross Taylor finish for sure. But and then they forget that, and I think the Test before he or no the first innings he was top scorer things like that like people seem to yeah. remember all the bad things he does well I think it's it's cricket is like him that score like 100 off 80 balls or 70 balls and make it look so easy that it always just going to frustrate people when they don't do that more you know I think the casual fan or just the fan that pays a bit of attention sees and do that once and just thinks why can't he do that more and that always is going to frustrate fans if we sort of talk about I guess the, just the why this is happening. If we break it down, obviously there was a, uh, a, a Big Bash draft on Monday night, Monday, Tuesday night. It was at the start of the week anyway. And Colin Gronheim's name didn't appear to be in the list, but he was selected 13th by the Adelaide Strikers ahead of a lot of other people. And it raised a lot of eyebrows, particularly from this side of the Tasman, because at the time... Colin Gonholm was a, a, a contract player for New Zealand, which sort of meant he was unable to play in that series unless New Zealand cricket said so. At, this is during the same time New Zealand was due to travel to Pakistan, and also at the same time New Zealand's Super Smash was going on. So the theory would be he would be either be going away with the Black Caps or he'd be playing for ND um, for the Super Smash. So... You wonder, and it's funny how they, everyone seemed to be quite surprised this happened, including Colin de Gronholm, which is odd because I can't <laughs> imagine that I can't imagine that Jason Gillespie pulled his name out of a hat and just said we're going to take a punt. Considering during the same draft, a lot of these teams were turning down Faf Dupuisie, Andre Russell, a lot of uh, Jimmy Neesham. Uh, ironically, because they weren't available for the whole tournament. So it makes you wonder why would they pick Colin de Gronholm knowing he's a contracted player unless there was a, a conversation had prior. So I guess what my question is to you guys, did Colin de Gronholm know what he's doing? Well, like, he's obviously known what he's doing, putting his name in the hat. Like no one in 2022 is naive enough to go, Oh, let's just put my name in the hat. Maybe I get picked up. Maybe I don't. Like that's sort of what Ross Taylor's done in retirement. Um, but yeah, I mean, you sign up for a draft. What do you think is going to happen? Like you're either getting drafted or you're not, and you've got drafted. So you've got to have surely thought through the scenarios either way. Um, he probably, like, I do sort of believe him that he's probably signed up and gone. Yeah, I don't, I don't actually think I will get drafted, but you know, might as well just. There's 800 English blokes and applying. I might as well put my name in the in the ring. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think he probably was surprised with getting picked up. Um, but yeah, probably knew he had the retire from international cricket in his back pocket to yeah get it get out of everything. And I suppose he was probably looking down the barrel of probably not playing a lot for New Zealand in many many more formats. So yeah, he probably probably had that in the back pocket, but. Yeah, probably one of those ones. He he was probably genuinely surprised to to get picked up, but had his had his way out. Yeah, I'm maybe I just you know I'm a bit of a sucker for drama potentially, but I I, I probably think there was a quite a bit of chatter behind the scenes. Um, mm. I sort of tend to think Gillespie's probably had a word to him and said, look, we you know if you're available, we're going to pick you up. So, what are the chances you are available? I I just don't think they're going to yeah, as you say, with the players that were also available. Um, I don't think they were picking him, and they unless they had a real belief that he was coming. So I, I think there was probably a bit. I don't know if it's how legal it is, or if that's all allowed. If you're allowed to be in those um, sort of tampering a bit there, but I think those they were probably talking to Colin and saying, "Look, we're going to pick you up if you were if you're going to be available. We're going for it." So I I would say he, and that he um he did have this plan and was probably thinking, "Okay, this is going to be my my career path going forward." I'll put the pressure on NZ Cricket to let me go and, and this is me. That's where I'm leaning as well, Simon, because I think it's funny when Trent Bolt was released from his contract, he obviously had quite a bit of leverage to do so as he's you know well, he's wanted everywhere else and David White said an interesting comment about how he's never had, no one's ever come up to him and said that they're looking at this sort of stuff 
But yeah, Colin de Gronheim has essentially done that behind David White's back. So it, it, it makes me wonder if there's a bit of a disconnect between New Zealand cricket and the players. And the players are starting to get a little itchy, particularly if they're lower down on the contracts list, I suppose. It was interesting, like when I re- read Ross Taylor's book, the last sort of chapter in a bit was about, uh, about him uh, sort of falling out, like falling down the contract list, um, getting dropped from the from the T20 team. And he sort of was under the impression that he was getting told he was on the way out by where he was on the contract list. And I wonder if a similar thing happened to Colin de Gronholm. Like they sort of were like, you know, the, the, he's not earning, he's not earning much because he's low on the contract list. But you you basically have to play whenever we tell you to play. So I do think that this is sort of a way of getting a bit of leverage to say, hey, I want to play, and this is sort of the only way out of it. And he's not young either. Like he's at that age. Like he's thirty six. He's if he's got a chance to to get a BBL contract, which potentially then if he has a good BBL lead to another couple of big contracts. It's sort of time for him to cash in. Well, that's right. I guess I guess that sort of leads to the next question where it's, who's next? Because everyone's still sort of in the 30s, but there must be a few other players starting to get a little itchy about how much money they could earn elsewhere while also playing for the Black Cats. Because I guess Bolt set a precedent and also Nisham where they don't have contracts, but they're still playing for the Black Cats. If you're a contracted player, you're not getting as much rights as you as they once were if you know what i mean if you're good enough you're making the team so i wonder who, who do we think who do we think is next <clears throat> not not sort of sure who goes next i think it's it's this uae league and the south african backed uh ipl one that's re- uh, sorry ipl backed south african league that's really put the squeeze on i reckon in terms of next like Probably we've sort of talked about it that that Finn Allen could look at being that guy, but I mean he's very early on in his career, um, but he still had a couple of, of stints in those leagues. Maybe a Lockie Ferguson. Uh, he's sort of got the pace. He sort of his Red Bull stuff has probably fallen away with with a few injuries in the last couple of years. So his, his that sort of driver to stay in New Zealand and stay on the Black Caps contracted list always seems to be Test cricket. So if that's sort of taken away, mm. maybe it maybe it is a, a Lockie or potentially Southie starting to see what Bolt's doing and going. Maybe it's time for me to sort of cash in as well. So those are probably uh, the three I reckon could be could be chances. Yeah, I was gonna say it's probably it's probably those guys that are starting to to burst on the scene as T Twenty players who aren't got a lot of Red Bull cricket um, in them. So if you were if you're not playing Test cricket, which as you say is probably still our biggest you know what the youngest you know the young players are striving for the most in New Zealand if you're not going to look in there then it doesn't it seems you know it does seem silly why you wouldn't try this obviously not everyone's just going to be able to do it you know not everyone's going to get picked up so you've still got to be you know talented enough where you're going to get picked up Southie's probably not a bad shout because his name recognition is still probably strong enough that teams will you know they're going to take a punt and say well, this is an experienced cricketer um, can do a job for us, well-known player, could, you know, younger players can learn of him, whether that matters as much in these sort of leagues is, is another story. But, yeah, guys like Salvi that have already got their name out, mm. and then on the other end of that scale, as you say, someone like Fennell and who might not play Red Bull cricket but can probably drive a big price, um, they're the guys to watch out for, I reckon. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one, especially if you when you're looking at the young guys, you've got to sort of think what does happen to their careers, though, because they're probably thinking... Like if they flame out of two leagues and they're not contracted to the Black Caps or domestic teams don't want to touch them because they've sort of flamed out on them, it's like, where's a guy at, at 25, 26 going to sit in his mm. career? So, yeah, I think for the young guys, I think that the Black Caps path, I, th- I still think you've got to have a bit of time in international cricket before you can cash in. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a balancing act. Guess it depends how many of these leagues start popping up yeah, as well, definitely. though. Like as we've said before, if it really like goes out of control over the next few years and there's leagues popping up everywhere, um, then maybe you just see more and more players do it because there's just those, you know, spots to fill for a while. Yeah, hundred um, percent. It was interesting. I don't know if you listened to the competition, the old grade cricketer, um, <laughs> but they were sort of touching on how, how 
the hundreds getting set up and sort of a lot of people are basically saying the hundreds only set up to be bought eventually. So it's an amazing time that tournaments could be getting, you know, it happens in other businesses. But yeah, like to think a tournament and other tournaments might just get started solely for the purposes of getting bought out in five years is, is a crazy time. The IPL is going to keep growing and they've got their hands in all these pies and there's going to be more and more tor- uh, tournaments that, that are going to pop up because that that seems that's where all the money is and you can't it doesn't feel like a country can survive without a decent T20 league so I just I just wonder what like what New Zealand cricket can actually do because like you said there's a few options that could do it and you're probably you're probably right I do think. At the moment, like a mid-20s guy is a bit of a risk because, like you said, if they flame out, they don't have a competition to go. But if these competitions keep popping up, then they're just going to they're gonna find another chance to sort of get on their feet. What can New Zealand cricket do? I mean, they need to – I mean, the Super Smash is probably one of the lowest sort of quality – I mean, it's not quality. Like, the quality's good. Like, the, the play, if you actually watch the Super Smash, it's as good – it's as good as, like, pretty close to the Big Bash – terms of the quality of players it's just the product as a whole the league doesn't compare to any other any of these other leagues and i just wonder if new zealand cricket could look at something a bit more flexible with these contracts lists if whether they sort of still keep contracts but maybe make them smaller but then sort of bump up their match their match uh payments a bit higher or their series payments a bit higher so it's worthwhile playing for the for the black caps, but also, you know, you've got contract lists for mm. the guys that aren't making all this money, but also like you, you're still getting your, your good players playing for New, for New Zealand. Yeah, I suppose a, another sort of left field way to look at it would be if you, and I mean this is really sort of left field, but if you binned off New Zealand contracts altogether, added four more onto each association, and had associ- like twenty guys in each association contracted year round, you sort of run it like the Super Rugby does a wee bit. Um, where you're sort of contracted to a super rugby team, but also to New Zealand rugby. So you've made that commitment, but then you've also got that little bit of, of flexibility. So, I mean, that could that could be a way to, to look at it. Because New Zealand cricket, they do, they're going to have to do something at some point. And that's sort of why I, I'm not anti them at the moment. I just feel like their head's in the sand a little bit with when David White says comments about around, essentially, this isn't going to, this isn't happening. Uh, anytime soon maybe they won't have to do anything because maybe we are just headed for for international windows but then how does New Zealand cricket make money because how do we how do we continue to make money to guess to foster the next talent because at the moment we, we make all our money from ODI cricket and T20 cricket and we just jam-pack the schedule full of um, bilateral series that potentially won't won't exist in five years time so what's what's plan B how, how does New Zealand cricket actually make money for the next for the next uh generations yeah that's obviously that's going to be the biggest thing they need to we need to work out um i don't know yeah i'm just literally thinking on the fly of like if there's options of new zealand you know almost new zealand cricket like rents out the contract so you take the player um but that comes with a fee you know almost like what happens in football like that gets paid to new zealand cricket new zealand cricket as a as another make it money making way yeah, that's not a bad shout. Or, or the uh, the IPL comes to New Zealand for a month, and we just uh, Mumbai Indians Tiger Vaults uh, versus the Chennai Chennai Super <laughs> Chennai Super Kings Canterbury Wizards. Um, I mean, anything's possible at the moment. It's just, and then we just take this Indian money and we just uh, we run. Yeah, yeah, take Indian money. We fixed it. So, so since we've just sort of talked down bilateral series, and it's all going downhill. Should we move on to an exciting bilateral ODI series? Yeah, 100%. The Chapel Headley series, which for us, it's very exciting. Probably for not very other people, it's not for some reason. But the boys are over, the Black Caps are over in uh, Cairns of all places uh, to play three one days against uh, Australia starting Tuesday. I guess the first question off the bat is why, what, what, what is it about the series that we care about? Why do we care about it so much? Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is. It's it's always Aussie New Zealand, isn't it? As we always, I guess it's that big brother little brother relationship that seems to be a lot of us move over there. So there's probably that 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 niggly rivalry that's always sort of been there. Um, 
yeah, I suppose where that, yeah, that little brother trying to get that win in the backyard, it, it sort of feels like. And I feel like we get sort of lumped together on the world stage a bit. Like, if you're anywhere internationally, they we just get thought, thought of as Aussies with our accents and, and whatnot. So I think there's that really distinguishable, like, New Zealanders want their own identity. Um, and this is a good way to sort of get one back on the Aussies, which is which is why we love it so much. Yeah, it's just it's just a part of all our sport, isn't it? The old New Zealand Australia rivalry, and as you say, we are yeah, we're probably little brother in this uh, this scenario. Um, like I personally don't have that sort of hatred that a lot of like a lot of Kiwis get up for this series because they genuinely like hate losing to Australia or just absolutely love beating Aussie, hate all their players. Hate's a strong word, eh? But you do see it. Oh, I think there's some genuine hate for a lot of from, from a lot of Kiwis to Aussies. ACC's bigger than that, eh? Oh, yeah. Warner's absolute enemy number yeah. one. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think it's just – and it's also like even if it's not Australia, New Zealand, Australia, we always had coverage of that growing up. You know, yeah. like Sky always got the right, so you always saw Australia. Um, and especially for our generation, like how dominating they were. It was always so big to get a win against them. So it just sort of feeds that like sort of want to beat them in that. And just everything Australia did growing up in, in the cricketing world was like the, the commentary was just always so good. Like it would just was the centre of cricket for, for, I guess, kids of our age. It's almost like you just you, you just wanted the Black Caps to do well over there. You just wanted them yeah. to do well in front of their fans and their uh, their commentary. You just wanted to hear them say nice things about our team. Oh, it's um, even like even as we were starting to get a better team, like and you know when Kane sort of was bursting on the scene. And I just so wanted Kane to do well over there, just to be like, to not acknowledge that Kane Williamson was this great cricketer that we knew he was. And there's definitely that, like, when you watch the Aussie commentators, there's nothing they, like, the only thing they do is talk about how good Aussies are and how shit everyone else is. <laughs> so it's Where like, this hate really comes from. But, like, like I, remember, I remember one test and... Aussie were like 30 for six or like getting absolutely skittled and the commentators tried to be like, actually, the Aussie should fall over here so their bowlers can go and run rampant on this surface. It's like, that is never the play. And like it was just like, it's just just delusional, like to, almost to the point of delusion sometimes. So you just, you grow up with that and you're like, fuck, can we just beat these guys, please? Because like, I just want to shut the commentators up more than anything. Well, speaking of sort of shutting their commentators up, we'll talk about Australia, just their, their sort of run into the series. And before uh, yesterday, I guess it was going to be that, you know, Aussies looking good. They, they pumped Zimbabwe. That's uh, 3-0, sorry. But a massive, massive upset where Zimbabwe tipped over Australia. And an incredible sort of day, I guess, for the first time ever. And just like that, question marks raised over this Australian team. And I guess... What, how do you how do you see this Australian team compared to our Caps? There's some vulnerabilities there, definitely. I suppose it's, it's it always happens with Aussie. You sort of feel like some of these series, they don't have their big boys play, and it's like, oh, okay. But, yeah, they sort of seem to be they, – they shouldn't be losing to, the, to Zimbabwe ever, really. Finch is vulnerable at the top, really is at the moment. Um, looks out of touch, has for a while, probably needs to go. Sort of saw some stats on Stoinis. He's sort of averaging 18 in the middle middle overs there. So I think there's some cracks starting to appear. No doubt they'll be sort of smoothed over and they'll probably win the T20 World Cup at home. But um, yeah, for now, we're going to reclaim or hold on to the Chapel Hadley series, whatever way it is, and uh, 3-0 New Zealand. Yeah, and I like that. Lugsy, how do you see it? Yeah, first of all, obviously, a big shout-out to Zimbabwe, a team that I really loved growing up. Good kid. I've... What I liked about them is for a long time when we were battlers, they were our team to beat, you know? It was like Zimbabwe's coming over and you're like, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Time for the boys to get a get a couple of wins. Um, actually, had some low-key good teams with your sort of your Heath Streets and your Flower Brothers. But, yeah, we're always – I always loved them coming over. Um, and good to see, I have to say, Australia taking that sort of series seriously and, and putting out their big boys, first of all. Um, but yeah, I was looking through their team a bit today and watched that game. The, the, it's a quite oddly balanced team. They seem to maybe be one bowler short, but they also they do have a lot of bowling options. They've got like a, quite a few all-rounders in the side. 
Yeah, I don't know. They just look to me like a little bit light on one another genuine better and a little bit light on a bowler. But it also sort of, if it all went well, obviously, it's still a very strong side. I don't know. It's just, yeah, they've got a lot of all-rounders and they're playing playing two spinners most um, most games as well. So it's quite an oddly balanced side at the moment. They've almost got too many all-rounders. So they've actually, they're coming in, they don't have enough any speciality at all. So they've got like three batsmen. So I think you've agreed with me rather than the well, zagging there. Yeah, but I wouldn't call that, I wouldn't call it balanced. I'd call it sort of unbalanced just because they've got three batsmen at the top and then they've got three bowlers at the bottom and then the rest are all rounders and that's just too many like they're sort of asking all rounders to bat long periods of time and they just can't do it and they're asking i mean cam green's doing it with the ball but they're asking a lot of him they're basically playing him as a bowler which is weird like he's yeah he's, they've probably got what um manus to come into that one day side yeah that'll sort of sort of balance out that batting a little bit i'd say maxwell's more of a better I'd, like his, you get overs out of him, but he probably is a genuine batter at this stage. Um, I don't like batting him very high, though. No, geez, he's low, isn't he? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think it's going to be a tough series. Obviously, when like Warner's class and probably should be probably should be captain, um, regardless of what he's done, doing, because like Finch just, it's one thing not scoring runs, but he he just looks off. He loves to go for a good stint of being out of nick, eh? He nicked off, what, three times? Again, uh, three out of three to that left-hander. So, like, Trent Bolt is going to be licking his lips. And he do, he's doing some weird things with his technique. Like, he's, he's sort of cutting across the ball. His bat's, like, really far. It's like gully, and it's cutting across the ball, and it's not coming down through the line. And then he's sort of, like, not really using any... He's not going to be weight through the crease. It just looks odd. And it's tough when... Yeah, they, they look a lot stronger when he's scoring runs. That top three makes a big difference. So I, I'm going to go New Zealand 2-1 because I think Australia should like, – they, they should be pretty decent, but it's going to be tough, obviously. I like um, – I'll also – I'll go with you on the on the 2-1 share. Always hard to beat Aussie three times and, and three. But very happy to see the rule ODIs. So all, all that four o'clock start time for us here locally, which I'm just ripping. You get most of that, don't you? Right, lovely start time, and hopefully we get a few uh, a few memories to uh, to remember because, I mean, we talked we talked a bit before about how why this series means a lot to the Kiwis, and I asked I asked the boys to to get together their um, I guess their top five moments in Chapel Hadley history, and um, there was quite a few. I think I think I uh, I had noted down there was eleven options I had, and then I sort of narrowed it down to my top five, and I've got a wee um. I've got a sort of honourable mentions as well. And yeah. um, so how we'll sort of do this, I guess, is we'll talk – I guess we'll start with one of you guys and then you, you start with your top five. And then obviously there's going to be a bit of crossover. And then when when it comes up, um, we'll just talk about that that moment as a whole and we'll say, oh, that was my that was my X or that was – it didn't make my five or whatever. And we'll just sort of go through there. And- yeah, I I, had, I found it tough doing number five, um, but in the end, I went the third game of the 06-07 series, which was a lovely run chase uh, in Seddon Park in Hamilton. Um, yeah, that was that was my that game as a whole. I suppose we won by one wicket, and um, yeah, just great great memories of that. Wow, you've actually you've got you've come up with a number five. I've actually. I've actually got that number one, so wow. that's sort of that's breaking. And I've um, I mean, three of my five have that ga- have that series, yeah, one of the great series. But yeah, I had that at, had that at five. Just to to bring in, I've just cut out there slightly. Was that what what to, what have you gone there, Jacko? Because I think this might be my number one also. <laughs> he's got he's gone he's gone the uh, the, the third ODI, two thousand and seven, the Mac a hundred. The Mac 100. So I've right. actually got I've got a full list, and this is why it's my number one. It just yeah, this match just had everything. Like it started yeah, this off. Yeah, this is my number one big time. We had yeah, okay. we had Maddie Hay- Maddie Hayden 181 not out. Yeah, broken foot no. Broken foot. I didn't have that down, but broken foot. He's just swinging for the fences. Highest ODI for score for Australia at the time. You know that was that was to beat Australia three nil. And it gave us all sorts of false hope before that World Cup. Yeah, because they didn't actually send over their best side, did they? No, nah, we, we we always forget that. We always mm. forget that. But 
that's all that's okay and that's probably a con i guess see interesting because i had it at five because it wasn't like, obviously nice to beat in three nil but it, we didn't win like it wasn't the game we won that series and and got the series over the line um which was yeah interesting interesting that we've split that up but um love to hear your guys number fives my number five i've actually gone it's around that second odi um but i i couldn't really not necessarily the match as a whole it's more the ross taylor 100 so obviously aussie got 330 odd hussey man 100 decent bowling attack even though it wasn't their full strength you know you got mcgrath you got bracken you got sean tate and it just felt like someone special had arrived like we had this uh this young superstar he was 22 at the time 23 maybe i know he scored that 100 against sri lanka but then this was 100 against australia everyone just felt like this was something special and obviously the career that Ross Taylor's had sort of adds to this this innings, I think. And I also, when I read that Ross Taylor book, it sort of added something to that innings. We had Taylor. Taylor talks about how he was getting sledged hard by like Shane Watson and someone else, someone else that quite young. It might have been Sean Tate, and like Ross Taylor, apparently a big sledger, apparently a massive sledger, and he um, he was giving it up. No, no, he, he was giving it back. He was uh, he was absolutely going back at Shane Watson while betting um, to Sean Tate or wh- whoever else. And McGrath had a word to him, and he said he said something like, oh, "You're a, you're a lippy wee bastard" or something like that. And he said, "Mate," he said, "Mate, I can handle it if it's for you. I can't handle it if it's fucking Shane Watson." <laughs> Which I just think is it's pretty massive for a twenty two year old to sort of offer that sort of chat. Especially to a young Shane Watson who was sort of basically Prince Charming incarnate, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. Ruffled a few feathers back in the day. Yeah, he looked always came across very whiny to me, Shane Watson. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's been a couple of YouTube clips out where he's he's seemed like a better guy than maybe I thought he was, but very whiny early doors. Lugsy, what's what's your number five? Yeah, that's a good number five, by the way. Brilliant hundred and that sort of chat has just really upped it for me. Um I've actually just gone Pig Dog v. Johnson going at it um, as my number five. I had that at four. Yeah, just solely for the for the memory of it. Just like it's just not often one of those sort of things happens on the cricket field. And just to see someone steaming in bowling fast, especially when you're a young fella, and seeing a batter just sitting there taking it. And then when they're walking towards each other, it's just you don't see it happen often in cricket and you it was just massive. Like, I just remember thinking, holy, they could go each other here. They could actually, yeah. something could happen here. And it's just sort of sparked in my memory. Well, he's ended up headbutting him in the end, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's given a week. He's headbutted to go off a helmet. Just yeah. just, oh, like, just impromptu, impromptu out and not out, headbutting a helmet. We, uh, <laughs> we, we definitely out on that. Oh, yeah, you lose that. Ten times I mean, out of ten. <laughs> yeah, it's that's out. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that that just that incident, I guess, is my number five, just because it burns in the memory. Yeah. Okay, oh, I like yeah. that. I like that. That was definitely on my. It didn't make my list, but it's on my honourable mention. Jacko, it made your number four, was it? Yeah, just. I mean, obviously, I've, you'll sort of see as my list progresses. I've got a real fast bowler's take on this, but just lovely <laughs> to see a quick, all sort of rolled up, so rolled up. In fact, he thought he'd butting a bloke with a helmet on was, yeah. was the play. So. Yeah, that's that's got to mean something if, if that's sort of happening in the game of cricket. So love to see it. Obviously, don't go headbutting anyone in club cricket round one. I'll, I'll, I'll do my number four then. And yep. um, I know, Lugsy, this is definitely on your list, but it's uh, it's the first ever Chapel Hadley game, which I forgot until I looked it up, but it's the Matthew Sinclair catch, 2004. Yeah. For me, it's the greatest catch in the history of the game. I, I just I can't, I'm yet to think of a better catch. And like, if I break it down, we've got Oram 120-odd, bangs it in short. Matthew Hayden does that alpha, walk down the crease, like, you're too slow for me, sort of carry on. Oram, Oram bangs it in short. He pulls it with ease. Um, Sinclair is about, well, he's d- deep square. He's about 10, 15 off the rope. He's going He's in an old position there. He's in an old, because I guess those, those boundaries are massive back in yeah, the day. So yeah, he's got to go yeah. 10, 15 off. And he is sprinting hard to his left like full speed and this is traveling and like Sinclair goes full strength offhand so it's going to his left hand bad hand 
he basically catches it behind him left mitt sticks it out and then probably the best part of it is he just sticks the perfect dive gets up yeah. immediately and i don't know who's pointing at but he just gives it to the crowd and i <laughs> i just for me i'll never forget i'll never forget that catch yeah, yeah, that's. I mean, I don't know if I want to add too much to that. That's brilliantly summed up. That's also Brilliant. my number four. I'll tell you what. Also, with that game, is we actually end up winning that game, and a young Brendan yeah. McCullum sort of gets us home. And I was watching a um, I was watching just sort of the last twenty runs of it the, today on YouTube. There's about a twelve minute clip, and I was just so nostalgic for that period of cricket. Day. I think we were chasing two thirty or something. Yeah. It was Bill Laurie was on comms. 230 was one of those niggly scores. It might have been enough for Aussie. Um, today it would just be laughed at. Um, but it was, yeah, and we need, I think we needed 31 or three or something, which again, in today's cricket, you're just. It's a lot back then. Yeah, oh, it was. The Aussie commentators naturally were, you know, we were the rank outsiders. <laughs> but yeah, so we got home. It's a great finish. The commentary to it's just amazing. First Chapel Hadley sort of set the tone for what this could be as a series. Um, I was also, I was watching that catch again. And so, I mean, we had Matt Sinclair, Jake Oram, who, let's be fair, was actually a pretty handy player. And Ian Butler, though, out there in the marshals. And I was thinking, how did this team compete with your Matthew <laughs> Haydens, your Glenn McGrath, your Shane Warns? It was, I mean, no wonder we didn't win too often out there. So that was your number four. So I guess yeah. we're uh, number three. So J- Jacko, what's your uh, what's your number three? Yeah. So my my top three was all pretty close for me. Um, but I've gone in the three slot was the and happened in the first game of that that oh six oh seven series with Shane Bond's hat trick, uh, involving that lovely Corton Bowl to get Cameron White, I believe. I think he got six for fuck all and was unbelievable in that series. Um, but yeah, that was just a great, great game for us to just really sort of um, bury them um, in the first series. Bondi to do get a hat trick. Who? Yeah, I think I think I don't think he got a hat trick in that game. I think he got a, not that game. So I think uh, we're combining two games. Yeah, here. yeah oh, it's two different. That's two different moments. But uh, he got he got. No wonder it's so high on your list. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I really remember that wrong. No wonder it's right up there. I'm surprised that's not number one actually. Going <laughs> like that. Nah, he got that. He, he got that hat trick and um like the back end of an innings uh we got pumped it was over there it was like it might have been the yeah, next no, you're year right. yeah, it might I have been the next year but that that game there with that hat trick just us dominating the aussies like we never sort of had dominated them um so to open a series in wellington with that sort of domination shane bond's catch lou vinson and fleming um yeah knocked it off none down which at the time, was the first time Aussie had ever been beaten by 10 wickets in an ODI, and it was their 670 ODI. So, wow. yeah, big moment, and I, I had that at three. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. So it was definitely it was on my honourable mentions list, and because it was it was a ridiculous catch, and to probably be, goes down to five without a hat trick though. To is be that fair. yeah? Is that is that the best corn bowl ever? Like it's, it's up it's, there. It's in the conversation. Like to get yeah. to get it down your boots like that is um. It's quite special, and, and obviously, like you said, Jacko, to, to to win by ten wickets against Aussie, you just you just don't see it. You, you just do not see it. And even though they didn't send a, a, an amazing Australian team, like it's still it was still decent. Oh yeah, there's still some serious players on that side. I was going to say the hat trick was going to be like just an honourable mention for me. Um, yeah. And I yeah, I thought because I remember vividly like watching that live at the time, and it was like the forty nine point like two, three, and four. I think he got Simon second. The first one was way out on the boundary, and then he cleaned up Bracken with a, a slower ball to get yeah. it. Um, yeah, I've, I've merged a couple of games there, so that's, uh, <laughs> that's my bad. These things these <laughs> things happen. TMC, oh, a not, an, not a historically accurate podcast, but entertaining. <laughs> oh, we just make up all sorts, like fitness, fitness, <laughs> fitness tests. And Lugsy, have you, what was your uh, number three? Yeah, I, I've, I've made this three, but... I really wanted to put it five, and I thought I'd just try and win a few Aussie fans over. So I'm going oh, Stoins as I'm going Stoins as one forty. Yeah, that's that's actually my number three as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we were actually on track for the same five, four, and three month, are we? Well, what you what you have for four? Oh no, no, I had yeah for four. I had the the Sinclair catch as yeah. well. What was your five? No, we don't have five the same, but we're yeah. going to have that number one the same. Oh yeah, um, okay. but yeah, the Stoins one forty. 
Um, I think just because that game was absolutely gone from Aussie. And then I remember that he was starting to get a few, but it was still pretty gone. And, you know, no sort of worries. And then it just kept happening. And this was a pretty unknown uh, stoyness at the time. Um, I instantly remember thinking, this guy's got a bit about him. Um, And then he started scoring some runs and I thought, shit, he can play cricket as well. He's really Um, got a bit about him. Yeah, so just the, the innings itself, he was just absolutely smoking it. It seemed like every ball was going out the ground. We were taking wickets from the other end. Um, and then the finally the way it ended, coming down to the wire for that run out. Yeah, just just sort of glued in the memory. Oh, it was massive. And like, because uh, I was looking that up uh, the other day, and it's just, there's, there's so many things about it you forget. Like when Aussie were 220 for nine, chasing 286. And then, yeah. like, it, it's crazy when you think like, Stoinis and Hazelwood put on 54 runs and four overs, and Hazelwood didn't face a ball. Mm. Like that that's is that, that's a stat that you just you will not you probably won't see again. It's it's actually crazy. And then I just remember like uh, Stoinis hitting Southie for two sixes. Australia needed only like seven off three overs, and I remember Smithy just going like <laughs> he's got the game in the palm of his hands or something like that. And I was just yeah. like, you're, you're damn right he does, Smithy. <laughs> Like how, how about Hazelwood not facing a ball? The only way he fucks up is a run out, and, he, and that's what happens. he's done. It. <laughs> it's yeah. unbelievable. It was actually an unbelievable like sort of moment. And I just I've actually got a wee, uh, a wee trivia for for you boys out of that that game. So we we set two eighty six. Who who was top scorer? Can you guess for the game? Yeah, for New Zealand. Martin Guptill. Okay, Bugsy. Oh, I've got nothing, mate. Uh, it was Neil Broom with 73. Wow. Oh, Broomy. Probably, uh, Stoinis probably robbed him of a man in the match, just quietly. And rig of the match, probably, too. <laughs> hell, nice. of a chest, hell of a chest on Neil Broom. Right. Okay. So, obviously, that was my number three as well. So, yep. Jacko, what was your uh, number two? Yeah. So, my two was um, the Ross Taylor 100 game. Um, okay. Yeah, so, I mean, that series, I had the highlights of that series on DVD as a nipper. Wow, um, that'll, that'll is, burn on you, memory. Which is why, yeah, why it's actually featured so heavily, because I used to watch that, uh, basically, probably that was a weekly viewing for a year or two of a, of a young Jackson's life. So, um, but yeah, for me, that just, we sort of pants him in the first game, and then it was a bit like, wow, that, that's Aussie, that's not always going to happen. And then that run chase, we just sort of, yeah, we chased a big score, which, I mean, looking at it, I think at the time was one of the highest run chases ever um, in ODI cricket. Uh, it was soon to be surpassed by South Africa like a year later, later that year, I think. But, yeah, to, I mean, we just got set this impossible number and we sort of did it five down and easy as you like. And, to, yeah, to seal the victory of that of that series and, and beat Aussie in a series, that sort of was, was two for me. I like that. I like that. I do. Yeah, I do appreciate. Like, it's sort of the winning of the series has sort of bumped it up. I like that. So my my number two, I've 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 listed it as a day out at Eden Park by Ian yep. Smith, and um, it could have easily been number one. But I think for me, it's only because it's a te- it's technically it's only it's just technically a Chapel Hadley game. Like it's yep. not. And I think when I was looking up Chapel Hadley games, I think. The only two times were the 2011 World Cup and, and this 2015 World Cup which Apple Hadley game. So I had to count it, but it just I couldn't have a number one. But it's just it, it could have if it wasn't if it wasn't a World Cup game, it would have been number one. It was just I, I can't remember a game having so much hype uh, yeah. beforehand. Like it just and it built and it sort of lived up to the expectations. Like you had like Bolts five for twenty seven. He had that spell of five wickets for one run and three overs. Aussie all out for 151 after being 80 for one. Caps, 78 for one. McCallum, 50 off 24 rocks, just absolutely pumping everywhere. Like Mitchell Stark, like that six for 28. Is that is that the best spell ever? Like it's 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 oh, it's, it's, it's gotta be up there. It was yeah. so scary. Like it, we, we felt safe even in 145 for six. And then in four, like five balls, four or five balls, Vittori chips it to mid on, Stark. Cleans up Mill, cleans up Stowley. And then suddenly S- Smithy and Warney are starting to chirp at each other. And you've got you've got Warney sort of getting a bit I mean, I, I couldn't I couldn't see the comm box, but I can imagine like Warney starting to stand up a bit, getting the chest out, Smithy getting all annoyed, 
and um, suddenly Bolt's got two balls to see out. It just seems like an inev- inevitable that Stark's going to clean up Bolt. But yeah. he manages to see out these two balls and like the massive roar. And then like Williamson hitting that six out of absolute nowhere off Paddy Cummins. And then Smithy just giving it right back to Warney. It just, it was just an amazing day. And what, like, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that day. Yeah, I mean, this is full disclosure, my number two as well. But I really just wanted to let you let you go there because that was, again, again brilliant. Sort of tearing the eye stuff looking back on this game. <laughs> I think yeah, what that biggest pop there was that Warney V Warney we um Bree Smith in the box. And you could tell they were they just you could tell they got on so well, mm. but you could also tell Smithy wanted it so bad. Um yeah. they were just chirping away. I have to say, this was actually on my brother's wedding day, this game of cricket. Oh. Um so I didn't I wasn't watching it live. Um, but there was a group of probably seven or eight of us. We had gone out to the car park and we were all huddled around the car listening to it on Radio Sport. So it's just sort of one of the great memories for me is, is watching the old brother get married and then and then hopping out to the car park to hear this the end of this game of cricket. And obviously the a brother's obviously keen on sport as well and it's sort of a lot of people there were. So we're all sort of messaging updates and updates are, are coming through as the wedding's happening. And we're starting to hear, you know, the first update we get is we only need, you know, 50 to win. We're one down, we're about, and then they just, we just, a text keeps coming through and like, we've lost a wicket. We've lost another wicket. <laughs> we're six down. <laughs> Starts got six, but we're nine down, we're going to lose. And the absolute roar from the crowd is, as Kane hits that start. Um, Yeah, one of the great memories. And, and I think you touched on it there with Stark. But he is one of the few bowlers where sometimes he runs in and you're like, he's bowling those fast Yorkers. You know, like, he is going to get a wicket every single ball. Yeah, I think he, he he bowled a spell against the West Indies where he was going round the wicket and just cannoning them into league. And I was like, yeah. there's just not a chance these West Indians face yeah. us. Those two balls Bolt had to face. I, like, I, I was paying a dollar oh one. He was getting yeah. settled. Like, it felt like about ten years watching those two balls. <laughs> yeah. And he's left and the he, first one. Stark's missed by heaps. Yeah, he got one of them wrong, eh, Stark? Yeah. Funny that's what you guys had at two, because that's what I had at one. Yeah. Slightly different list. But yeah, I mean, there was just being a part of like that game in New Zealand, obviously, but having the World Cup here. Yeah. We had won a few games. Aussie had won a few games. I think we were the only two undefeated teams at the World Cup at that stage. And it was sort of like that younger brother, like, are New Zealand actually good or is Aussie going to put them in their place here? And, and as you said, it really felt like at 140-odd for six, we'd, we'd sort of buried them and sort of, yeah, introduced ourselves as the, the World Cup favourites. And then it was sort of nearly all over and then Bolt had two balls. And then, I mean, Kane sort of slogged one into the stands out of nowhere. And, yeah, what a what a game. Um, one of the great roller coasters and not often a sort of you win a game with 160 balls to spare and, <laughs> and white ball cricket getting bowled out for nearly bowled out for 150 but yeah I mean 140 plays 140 is not normally that exciting but yeah that was one hell of a game I was gonna say that's gotta be there'll never be a better 140 plays 140 game of cricket no. will there? the uh, Aussie versus Zimbabwe game the other day probably wouldn't uh, wouldn't come close to be fair <laughs> I think I think one and two it seems like uh, one and two is a pretty pretty much the same I think I just need to to touch on that game number one again because this for, well, sorry, for, for our number one, Matt, just yeah. to spend a couple of minutes on how, yeah. how big that was. Well, I mean, as a you know 32-year-old man that I am now that still sort of runs around the flat if Ronaldo scores a goal, I'm not afraid of getting quite excited for cricket um, or sport <laughs> in general. So as a 17-year-old, this is, this is probably sort of, and I had to say, I thought maybe I was slightly younger because I'm looking at the way I was acting back then and, and sort of sort of hitting me at, that I was actually 16, 17 at the time. But this is sort of my peak probably love of cricket here. Um, and I remember coming home from school, it was a Friday, I believe, um, to watch the end, of the end of the cricket and watching Matt Hayden get that 180, all the talk about his broken foot. And that, like, and the score they got was just so... Like back in those days, it was just so unbelievable to think we could chase that down, um, and especially having only done it a week before, you like we couldn't possibly do it again. And then for Mac, so probably my two favourite players at to, at that time are McMillan and McCullum. 
And I just remember I was like, and McMillan was always sort of hated in the media a bit for not performing as much as he should. So to see him get this hundred, and he didn't even know he had got it at the time, and then see his reaction when he finally realised he had, I was going absolutely nuts. Well, he had been out of the side for a while as well, which sort yeah. of made you know Rigger had that classic like gladiator is back sort of sort of. Yes. Thing. Yeah, and then we sort of yeah McCallum. We're still it's very still like there's still a lot of work to do when McCallum comes in, um, and to see him get us home, I was genuinely a full memory of mm. just I was out the sliding door and I was straight down the street, hands in the air, charging around, did a lap, just going the Black Caps have done it. Um, so just a hell of a good memory of, a, of an amazing series, really. I could probably shuffle that up to two because I had actually I'd actually forgotten about that game about sort of Mark Gillespie's innings too. Yeah, I had yeah. that down. Yeah, which was an amazing yeah twenty hour fifteen. Yeah, in hindsight, I mean, for me, I was probably a bit younger. I don't I don't have many clear memories of the game itself. Watching it, my only memory of the game is Gillespie's knock, like getting all those French cuts. Yeah. Um, and watched like a lot of it obviously stemmed from me rewatching that highlight package, which sort of took the gloss off it potentially. Um, but yeah, I mean, happy to happy to shuffle that up into the two slot. And yeah, it's right there with that one day win, isn't it? And in, yeah. in the World Cup, it's up there. And I think I think yeah, your boys touched on it all. And I think for me, the biggest part of it at all it was the fact that the boys weren't just chasing three forty seven; they were forty one for four. Yeah, and then I just think like. I would say 99 times out of 100, a team's losing that. Wasp very low. Yeah, very Wasp low. is very, very low. So, and I, yeah, probably, probably the fact that it's uh, we were just younger at the time. It's a, yeah. it's, it's right at, a, it's right a sweet spot for me and Luxie. New Zealand bowling attack in that game was quite something compared to the Aussies. Oh, Tuffy, Franklin, Gillespie, Jim Capel, <laughs> Scott Storris, and Craig McMillan. Yeah, no, there's a reason we chased the 340. Some rough, rough years as Black Caps fans. What, what about how we left that left that thinking like we're a chance at this World Cup and we absolutely <laughs> got dusted. <laughs> Probably we might have to skip Coach Corner and just do a wee, uh, a wee quick out or not out. Yeah. I'll tell you what, just just quickly, that's got the juices absolutely flowing for Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if that doesn't Fuck, get you, if, go. That, if that doesn't get you going for Australia versus New Zealand, Chapel Haley, I don't know what... So, boys, out or not out this week is, um, to be honest, it's just an excuse to talk about Johnny Bester because it's um, a couple of things here. It's it's one of the one of the more freak accidents, probably. Like it's it's sort of it really took me by surprise when I seen a wee Instagram from Johnny saying that there was a freak accident on the golf course and he was out for the third test, the T Twenty World Cup. Um, must have been a pretty serious injury and. Um, do we, we don't actually know what the injury is yet, yet, do we? No, no, just lower leg. Lower leg. So it could be Achilles, could be a broken leg, could be anything. And I guess out or not out is there's a bit of a there's a bit of a rumor going around the, uh, the traps about how this injury happened. Mm. And um, Jackson, you you forwarded it on to us uh, yesterday, I believe. If you want to sort of, I was sort of forwarded it from another party as well. Um, you know, cricket circles, these sort of things do the round pretty quickly. Um, Besto's since addressed these rumours himself, but we'll, we'll start with the rumour first. So apparently, according to this message, the England players had 10k each on this game of golf. With uh, And Besto's on the last green needing to sink a birdie putt to win it, essentially. Um, and the rumour's gone, Ben Stokes' two-foot slid tackled him on the green mid-putt um, and basically cooked his leg. <laughs> um which yeah, I mean, Bierso's come out and claimed it's it's sort of not, not happened. He's never been to that golf course. He hasn't seen Ben Stokes in weeks, all of that sort of jazz. Um, but yeah, it sort of stemmed a question for me: is if he is covering up for Ben Stokes, it's a hell of a thing to cover up. And if he's not, what sort of in, what sort of act from Stokes is like the turning point of like, no, I've got to out this guy versus no, nah, I should probably just cover that up, sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, sort of. The, I don't know if it's our accents or, or what's gone on there, because for some reason, when you forwarded that message, I I genuinely believed it. Um, <laughs> and then sort I of mean, the it way came from an English some, accent. How was it not yeah, to be believed? The way you summed it up, I'm scary. sort of thinking that is so ridiculous. That, so <laughs> maybe maybe I maybe I don't quite think it believe it now, because I just genuinely just thought, oh yeah, that's pretty outrageous, but. Um, 
that's probably happened. Um, <laughs> yeah, it does. It does get us to a weird point of, of like, yeah, what you would cover up for your for your skipper. I mean that. I mean, he's got to be absolute. I, I sort of, I'm all over the show if whether I believe this or not now, because he's got to be absolutely shattered there, Stokes. And the way he said he hasn't even seen Stokes in weeks, that's almost like going too far to cover it up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's been Stokes. I can't believe he even tried to like deny it. Like, I just no. thought it was absolutely laughable. Like, can you imagine like, like the English captain just two footing his star player? For the last like five or six tests, yeah. and also like just a bit on of a putting uh, green. Yeah, I was gonna say just a bit of golfing etiquette, like on a putting green. Like, come on! That I'd is... love, I'd love some comms of anyone that played Granton recently to see what sort of state the 18th mm. greens in. Um... <laughs> who's like, who's this rogue guy that's decided that's the story he's gonna? Yeah, he's gonna go. With. I don't know. I reckon to be honest, I believed it right up into the end because. If they were putting money on it, that's a BMAC. It's BMAC all over it. Yeah, that is BMAC. Just so oh, let's pun on this sort of thing. So I, uh, I sort of believed it right up yeah. to the end. I see. I thought it was going to be. You know how you see those viral videos of like blokes just like plowing into their mates in golf carts. <laughs> I sort of thought that's where the message was going, and I thought that's that's pretty rogue, but like something you could sort of throw off as an accident. Like I've accidentally been hit by a golf cart, sort of thing. But yeah, when it when it was like yeah, he's been two footed on the eighteenth green. I was like, yeah, that's probably not really really it. Do you reckon it's like uh, like you you boys would have seen the uh, the Dark Knight? Is it is it sort of like when um, like Batman takes the he takes the fall for what Harvey Dent did because he wants like he he know he's like the, the Gotham need a hero. England cricket. England England cricket need a hero. That's Ben yeah. Stokes. So he he could have done it. He could have done it, but England, like, if the hero Ben Stokes came out and he was a villain, it just it just yeah. would shatter everything. Yeah, England yeah. cricket falls apart. Well, because Ben Stokes, he is a like he is having this sort of resurgence. I get like he he's I guess he's sort of following a similar role to how McCullum was over here, where the end of his career is really going to determine sort of how he's looked back on. Like, and he is just in this golden run of their of being their hero but it certainly hasn't been all sort of roses for him no um and he still sort of comes across as that quite hard-nosed guy that sort of may do something quite rogue like that <laughs> sort so, of might slide tackle a bloke yeah <laughs> i'm not completely willing to rule this out yet i still think he could have driven into him with a golf cart <laughs> what do we actually think happened what, what are we actually oh, thinking well, he hasn't because it's not like Bearstow's just – like, it's not like they came out and said it was a freak injury, I was in the middle of my swing and this happened. Like, yeah. didn't they just say it's freak injury and left it there? Yeah, I've yeah. slipped and I'm out for, like – they haven't, like – surely if it's like, oh, I slipped and popped my Achilles, you're like, okay, like, people pop their Achilles all the time. But it's yeah. like, I've slipped, I've got a lower leg injury. Like, surely disclose it and that would – you'd be like, okay, like, that sort of sums up. That could maybe happen slipping. But, I mean – Golf's not a very dangerous sport, and for that to sort of rule you out automatically of a World Cup that's nearly two months away, yeah. I don't know if he slipped, that's for sure. That's, yeah. yeah, it's going to be a fascinating story to watch, actually, and, and sort of develop there. I'm hoping for something a bit wild. He'll <laughs> come out at some point. So, so Simon might sort of be in on this story, but... So uh, Simon's man, man. not out on the story. Well, I thought it was like... Are we out or not out on two footing our mates on the golf course? <laughs> um, so not that out. I'm sort of yeah, that I'm probably yeah, don't do that. But <laughs> does the story have some more more sort of leads coming? I think there's something more coming. Absolutely. Yeah, I would agree with that. There's definitely something they're not telling us. Yeah, hundred percent. Just before we go, is as he's obviously reviewed the Ben Stokes docker. A couple of things you just didn't tell me about, which I thought were massive, is Benfest? Where are we at that on a, Wait, on a birthday fun? Benfest? Benfest. So for his birthday, he's sort, oh, of just, he sort of just ran a festival. I thought yeah. that was absolutely brilliant. Surely he hasn't run it. Like, surely that's not his idea. Yeah. Like, you can't be doing that, surely. Nah. I think surely he has like, gone to himself. Are we... Um, surely he could just go to Glastonbury and get VIP tickets or something for his birthday if he wanted to actually hit a festie. 
Yeah, I'll tell you what also jumped out at me. It was a couple of comments from his, his – I don't that really, I don't want to, you know, seem like an expert or sort of talk about a man's relationship, but that didn't exactly look smooth sailing from, from her couple of cameos, I thought. She's, uh, she's made the two comments, which are always pretty big red flags of one – when he's here, I know he wants to be out playing cricket, which I didn't think was great. <laughs> and B, as sort of Ben Stokes is just looking at the camera without sort of giving too much of a face, she's gone, you know, we've had a lot of ups and downs, a lot of ups and downs. Not coming home from a night out and beating a bloke up in town um, and getting a call from the cops probably isn't going to be one of the ups, is it? No. It looks, I mean, I tell you what was a massive win, though, is over these three years is what a comeback from his hair. <laughs> so he was down and out for a while there at the start of this doco, and now it is flowing. Yeah, oh, that blonde, sleek as you're not. That sort of blonde pulled forward look just wasn't for him, was it? No, that, that was no good. Yep. Right, uh, we'll, uh, we'll call that a day. Thanks, uh, thanks again to the award-winning listeners. Thank you to uh, the co-hosts, Lugsy and Jacko. Um, if you do enjoy what you're listening to, please do like, subscribe, rate, and review. And if you love it, chuck us a wee follow on the Patreon at patreon.com slash maximumcricket. You do get early access to these podcasts. We are trialing that for now until we can uh, figure out some extra stuff for that. So if that sounds like you, uh, sign up. But if not, that's all good. And uh, we'll catch you boys next week. Yep, catch you. Too easy, mate. Thanks. Catch you boys.